Good morning. My name's Kirk, and I'm so glad to be with you this morning. Uh, just a couple things before we get started. One, uh, Pastor Mike said something about Saturday and a short memory. I, I have no idea what he's talking about. I'm just going to leave it there. Uh, okay, moving on. I did not plant that, by the way. Uh, thanks for your prayers this past week as, uh, well, Heather and I were planning on traveling together. Uh, some of you know that we were invited about a year and a half ago to be the pastoral care couple of the Varen Germany church planting team. This is a team in Northeast Germany that's planting a church in a community where less than half of a percent are followers of Jesus. I know some of you think Germany, Bonhoeffer, Luther, like that good Christian country. Uh, and then think about East Germany and that whole thing about 20, 30 years ago. Yeah, it's a spiritually desolate place. This is not a picture of Germany, by the way. We'll get to that in a moment. But uh, so there's bad news and good news about our trip. So we were invited to go and serve the team there in, in Varen, encourage the, the team that's planting this church, as well as participate in some of their activities. Um, so the bad news is it was a horrible trip because... Heather got sick hours before we were scheduled to depart. And so I went alone. I went alone. It, it really was a bummer. Um, it, it was, I, I can't even tell you. But the trip itself, despite the fact that I was alone, was outstanding. One of the highlights, we were able to do a Thanksgiving dinner for the community in this, this town. And, of course, uh, Germany doesn't celebrate Thanksgiving. It's an American holiday, if you're unaware. Uh, pilgrims and, like, American history, all that stuff. And so uh, we did, we brought over cranberry sauce in the cans, and we had turkey for them and pumpkin pie and the whole bit, and got a chance to explain what Thanksgiving is all about. And it, it really was a, a beautiful time. I got a chance to then participate the next day in Sunday worship and played on the music team and got to meet a number of people that are at various stages in their spiritual journey. And so I would just encourage you, please continue to pray for this team. Uh, ben and Sarah Carey have spoken on this stage before, and you're going to get to hear from Kenny Young in February. Uh, he's, he's on the team. There's three couples that moved to, to this community to start this church. And their, their plans are to hand it off to locals as they accept Christ and begin leadership. And there's a couple that they've already targeted for that. And then to plant other churches in the surrounding communities and just infiltrate the, the gospel, not infiltrate the gospel, infiltrate the community, the region with faith, hope, and love that's found in Jesus Christ. So again, thanks for your prayers. Happy Thanksgiving. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I will let you know, we're going to do a little exercise today. And if you don't have a pen, it'd be great for you to get a pen or some writing utensil. We have a whole bunch in the back. And um, we've got a, Mr. Glenn's back there ready to distribute pens. So if you need a pen or some writing utensil, just hold up your hand. They're free today. Next week, we might charge. Just kidding. Um, we've got free pens. So just raise your hand because you're going to need that in a little bit. We don't need it right now, but you're going to need it in a little bit. Okay, we're going to get started. So, you're wondering, what in the world is this beautiful picture? The year was 2004, and I was in San Diego at this place at the National Pastors Convention. 
This is weird. I'm seeing people raise their hands. The teacher in me is like, what do you, but it's for Glenn, not me. Okay. Um, 2004, I, I mean, this is a nice place, right? I mean, you could, would you agree this is a nice place? Yeah, okay, it's San Diego. It's always nice in San Diego. And I, I remember there was a, a nationally known speaker. Some of you are familiar with Tony Campolo. He said some controversial things. I don't support everything he said, uh, he said in his lifetime. But in this particular case, uh, Tony, a sociologist, and, and what, what Tony does a lot at least back in the day, is he worked among the poor. He start, started businesses, worked to, to generate uh, help for third world countries and such. And so there was a Q&A session, and someone raised their hand and they said, Dr. Campolo, you talk about working with the poor, the needy, the least of these. And here we are sitting in this beautiful resort how can you justify being at this beautiful resort and talking about the poor? Now, just a show of hands, well, not, not the pen hands, but a show of hands. How many of you have ever kind of thought that same question, kind of wondered that, that, that thing? Maybe you've been uncomfortable with the, the blessings that you have, felt guilt, guilty maybe that we live in the environment in which we live and other people are gonna die of starvation today. I thought it was a brilliant question, and truly, I was on the edge of my seat, and I'm like, what in the world is he going to say? Because, again, it's, it's something that I've wrestled with. And so this is what he said. He said, for everything there's a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance time to scatter so stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate. And he added something like this, a time to stay in a fancy resort and a time to live and work among the least of these. Wealth is an issue of the heart, and our attitude should be one of gratitude and generosity, is what he said. Paraphrasing. Wealth is an issue of the heart, and our attitude should be one of gratitude and generosity. Not guilt, not scarcity, not hoarding, but gratitude and generosity. A lot has been said about the diversity of our First Alliance family, diversity relating to age, to ethnicity, to zip codes, to educational backgrounds, to teams that we cheer for on Saturdays, spiritual backgrounds, and certainly income. Some of you, you are debt-free. Your house is paid for. Maybe you have multiple houses. God has blessed you abundantly with finances. Some of you are unhoused. And you are equally a part of our family and we love you. Some of you are in between jobs, transitions. It's a beautiful mess is what I call First Alliance. It's so, so beautiful, but it's messy because where else are you gonna see a diverse group like this get together? 
We live in a world that just cancels each other and never has a chance to be with people different because we're always finding ourselves in people just like us, particularly on social media where there are algorithms designed to keep you focused and in silos away from people different than you. I think it's a beautiful thing when we can come together, love one another, serve one another. The issue of wealth is not of what you possess, but what possesses you. And it's our subject today. But first, we're going to pray. Almighty God, I thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. I just love that song so much. I was singing it this morning on the way in. All my life, you've been faithful. All my life, you've been so, so good. The road is not always easy. It's downright painful at times. And yet, you're always with us, your presence. I pray, Lord, this morning for those that feel far from you. As they draw near to you, your promise to draw near to them. For those who are, are struggling with life, I pray that you would carry their burden. And for those that are counting their blessings, I pray that there would be an abundance of gratitude and generosity. Guide my words, open our hearts, in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to look at a passage from Luke 17. You heard it read a moment ago. And it's, it's, a, it's an amazing story that, that Jesus encounters these lepers. Now, leprosy was like a terrible, terrible thing. Uh, the, the main feature, as I understand leprosy, and I don't claim to be an expert, although I have read some, some books on it, maybe the worst part about leprosy, besides the social factors that made you isolated, you couldn't be near people. Think COVID, but like infinitely more extreme. People would literally be ostracized and, and isolated from family and friends. But leprosy was this terrible thing where you would sometimes lose feeling. You wouldn't feel any pain, which a lot of you are like, that's a good thing, until you're maybe near a fire and you look over and realize that you just burned your hand off. <laughs> Skin disease, terrible suffering. So dreadful that total quarantine was required. So perhaps the only, the only worst thing about, the about leprosy besides the physical was the social, social isolation. And as many of you know, in our culture at least, it seems like the greatest punishment that you can possibly receive is solitary confinement. We were made to be social creatures, so these people are all sent off, isolated, and in many cases it was essentially a death sentence. So Jesus continues on to Jerusalem, and he reaches the border between Galilee and Samaria. And as he entered the village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance. They had to stand at a distance. In fact, the way it worked is you had to kind of announce, I'm, I'm, I'm a leper, I'm a leper. You can't come close to me. What a terrible, terrible thing. I mean, some of you just, you remember, I mean, we all remember quarantine. I mean, just six feet, six feet. But this was so much worse. And yet they cried out and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go 
show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Now, we call this a miracle. <laughs> the idea was that you had to go to the priest if you became clean, and the, the, the priest would declare you clean. But this was not something that happened on a regular basis. Jesus performed a miracle. And I love that it says, he didn't say, I will heal you now. He says, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Now, Jesus never seemed to heal the same way twice. Sometimes he spit in people's eyes. Sometimes he, he just announced their healing. In this case, he says, go to the priest and you're going to be healed. Departing Jesus' presence was probably an act of faith, and certainly going to the priest was, since the priest couldn't cut, touch a leper either. As they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy, a brilliant miracle. Have you ever been healed? Just a show of hands, how many, how many of you would say, at least once in my life, I have been healed of, of something, a physical issue, a, a mental, spiritual, emotional issue? Family, I have to tell you, God is a God of healing. We don't just worship these walls. We don't just sing to the stars. Our God is awesome, and he's on the throne, and he's still doing miracles. He's still at work. Some of you have been praying for a long time for that miracle, and I just want to say don't give up. Sometimes it takes a long time. I don't know why. I don't understand, but I can tell you God is real, and he can be trusted. He is faithful. I might lose it, just warning you, <laughs> yesterday, yesterday was the ninth anniversary, ninth, of our daughter's amputation. And I thought that was going to be one of the worst days of her life. And, and yet, after nine years of suffering and pain and blindness and so many horrible things, a lot of you know her story. Uh, the amputation of her leg ended up being a gateway to blessings that she never would have imagined and that we never would have imagined. Nine years of suffering prior to that and then to see what God has done since. Your story's not over. And I just want to encourage you. I don't know who, but I feel like someone needs to know this. Don't give up. God is a God of miracles. And I've seen him do miracles in my life. I've seen him do miracles in other people's lives. He can be trusted. He's present. He's real. His timing, never late but rarely early, I like to say. Family, we are all blessed. We are all rich by the world's standards. According to the Global Rich List last year, if you have an annual income of $32,500, you are in the top 1% of global earners. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I have a feeling most of you have an annual income of at least $32,500. That makes you richest 1% in the world. Not in the U.S., but globally, 1% in the world. If, if you earn $16 an hour, you're in the richest 1% in the world. If you're in $12,000 a year or $1,000 a month, you're in the top 10%. 
Even if you have zero income, you're here today, you're, you have clothes on, you have freedom, you have blessings. And through Cherry Street Mission and so many of our other partners, there's access to things that other people in other parts of the world would just do anything to obtain. We're all blessed, we're all rich by the world standards. In our text for today, these 10 men were blessed. Their lives were transformed from outcasts to recipients of healing and wholeness. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. That's what we did this morning. We praise the Lord. The first song today, praise the Lord. Oh, my soul, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I just feel like we need to do it right now. Can you say it with me? Praise the Lord. Okay, now let's do it one more time, and I want them to hear it outside. Praise the Lord. He is worthy to be praised. One out of ten came back and praised him. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man, it says, was a Samaritan. And if you know anything about Samaritans, they were the most despised, hated, half-breed people. Another good Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Family, we always need an attitude of gratitude. This guy was thankful for what he had. This isn't just a November thing. I hope, I hope you're all able to celebrate Thanksgiving in one way or another. It was weird being in Germany, I have to say. But it was, it was a blessing nonetheless. Thanksgiving is one of my favorite days of the year. You don't have to buy gifts for anybody. It's a day to pause and to give thanks to God and maybe to give thanks to others too. The challenge for many of us is the pause. We're just so busy, busy, busy. We're not only busy in work and entertainment and parenting and activity, we're busy comparing ourselves to others. And comparison kills and com comparison will kill gratitude. Comparison, it, I think it's just one of the most evil things there is. Our screens scream, scream, our screens scream, wow, say that five times fast. Our screens scream at us every day. Look at that car, that vacation photo, that new outfit, that new gadget, that house, that beautiful person, that, we've been blessed, amen? Yeah. If you've been blessed, say amen. amen. We need to count our blessings, and we need to count them daily. Count your blessings, name them one by one. I have a friend who used social media for a while to count his blessings, and every day he'd list like, I think it was 10 things he was thankful for. And the next day he'd list 10 more, and 10 more, and 10 more. It was a discipline that he engaged in, just not so much to, to, for other people's sake, but for his sake. It's a rhythm, it's, it's a, a discipline, a habit that he got into to give thanks. And when you give thanks, when you pause to give thanks, it's amazing how everything, all your suffering and struggles and all that stuff you want under the Christmas tree, it just sort of goes by the wayside because you realize there's a lot to be thankful for. So I want to put this into practice a little bit. You all have pens. In your flyer, you'll see a, a top 10 list. And I want you to just take a few minutes and I want you to, to list, not just in your head, I want you to write in paper. No one's going to see this. It's just between you and you, you and God. But I want you to list uh, some, just 10 things that you're thankful for. Researchers have discovered that the power of gratitude, when we focus on what we don't have, it's easy to become discouraged, discontent, and even depressed. 
But when we pause and give thanks, the opposite occurs. So just take a moment. Ten things you're thankful for. thankful for Joshua James today leading us in worship and playing piano. I'm thankful for all of you. It's so good to be home. I'm thankful for safe travels for my wife. I'm thankful for my grandkids. I'm thankful for my kids. I'm thankful for this country. I'm thankful that I have a home that has heat. I think that's eight. I'm thankful for the gift of music. And most of all, I'm thankful for Jesus. Because without him, we have no hope whatsoever. Thanks, giving thanks. It's a powerful thing. Again, science has proven this over and over again, which just confirms the truth of ancient scriptures. King David declared, he said, I will thank the Lord because he is just. I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Paul wrote, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. I've heard some of you say, I want to know God's will. What's God's will? This is what God's will is, to be thankful in all circumstances. Never stop praying. Always be joyful. Later, he said, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. The Bible is filled with instructions to give thanks. And it's also filled with instructions to give. Remember, wealth is an issue of the heart, and our attitude should be one of gratitude and generosity. 
So let me restate this again. If you've ever felt guilty about the stuff you have, there's no need to feel guilt. Express gratitude and generosity. We are all to give thanks, but we can also give too. We can share. We can take what we have and be generous. Maybe it's something as simple as a smile, a kind word. It might be taking someone out for coffee. Generosity might look like time, truly listening to another person, listening to their story, not being distracted with your phone. We've all been blessed to be a blessing. And I'm not sure why that just came up. But I'm gonna be thankful because I've been blessed, even when technology fails me. Scripture says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Do you believe that? As I sat in that San Diego resort all those years ago, a sense of relief and mission came to me. I was relieved because I didn't have to go home, sell my clunker of a car and ride my bicycle in the middle of January to work. I didn't have to feel guilty about the blessings I've received. Instead, I needed to have an attitude of gratitude and generosity. I had a mission to give. It really is blessed, more blessed to give than to receive. And one of the things I love about First Alliance Church, church, you are a generous church. Financially, yes, and in otherwise, other ways, you've been generous. It's a joy to, to be a part of this church because I see how this church is generous, how it gives, it supports international workers in Germany, the Varen team, I got to see firsthand through the Great Commission Fund of the Christian Missionary Alliance. It's generous giving to Cherry Street Mission and to Toledo Gospel Rescue Mission and others in our community, the Pregnancy Center, the way that this church is lavishing finances and prayers and volunteers at numerous organizations here and around the world. It's a joy to support the work here. And I love to give. I love to give to this. I, I, don't, I don't even know where else to give my money. I just, we just, we bring it here. Because I believe in what God is doing here. We've had occasions to take faithful risks financially, and it's exciting. Family, you can't outgive God. The only time I see the Bible in the Bible where God says, test me, is in giving. Test me. Malachi says, test me and see if your generosity will not be a blessing to others and to you. In the season of Thanksgiving, before Amazon and the mall begin telling you all about the things that you need, let's commit to being grateful and generous rather than greedy and fearful. Let me say that again. Let's commit to being generous and grateful rather than greedy and fearful. One of the core values of the Christian Missionary Alliance says everything we have belongs to God. We are his stewards. Jesus said if you're faithful in the small things, more will be given to us in Matthew chapter 25. You may recall a young boy who had only a small lunch and yet thousands of people were fed because he gave everything that he had. One of First Alliance's core values similarly states that we trust God with open hands and with open hearts. Jesus said, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. 
This isn't a get-rich-quick scheme. This isn't give me a $100 and you're going to get $1,000. God's economy doesn't work that way. But I promise you, you will never regret giving and investing in God's kingdom. His economy doesn't make sense, but it works, and it works beautifully. So you're about to get all sorts of requests for money. You know this, right? Some of you, your mailbox is already full. Giving Tuesday is coming up. If you have anything left from Black Friday, it's a time of year where every organization's out there trying to, give me your money, give me your money. Uh, so let me just say a few words as we head to the finish line today. Um, one, we would love your money. I'm just going to say it. You already heard me say, I don't know a better place to invest. And it's not just a matter of paying the light bill around here. It's seeing changed lives. What God is doing right now through our youth ministry is staggering family. It is staggering. Uh, what's happening in our children's ministry, in our, our newly renovated space, is, is really, really exciting. The, the next generation, uh, it looks really, really promising. The way that God is working through our partners, and you heard several of them recently, it's so exciting. Uh, I would love to see us finish this year in the black. We are not projected to do so. So I'm just saying, if you're looking for a place to give, First Alliance would be a great place. I am unapologetic about that. Our books are open. There's accountability. Uh, yeah, I, I love this place. We also have this thing called the Great Commission Fund. And do we have that video, Mike? I just want, I, I want, I want you to see uh, ways that you can not only support locally, but through our Christian Mission Alliance family. When you give to the Great Commission Fund, you support work in Germany, you support work in the Dominican Republic, you would support work all over the world. Uh, last week, you heard one of our international workers speak. And are we good? All right, check this out. Hopeless. That's how the Christmas season feels for many around the world. In the hard places the Alliance serves, there are people who do not know the name of Jesus. No songs are sung in hope of his birth. No Advent candles lit in anticipation of our coming King. It's a season like any other, and it's empty. But emptiness begs for hope. And hope is here. The creator entered his creation to bring salvation. In scripture, this moment is declared with a host of angels with the glory of the Lord shining all around them, tearing the darkness apart. Through Jesus, hope came into the world and the world would never be the same again. So while that which surrounds us may be void of the Christmas spirit, there's no emptiness in our hearts. The invitation for us is simple. Extend hope to those dwelling in darkness. When you give to the Alliance Christmas offering, you keep international workers, leaders, and our churches present in those hard places, extending the hope of the Christ child among the world's marginalized, displaced, and unreached peoples. This Christmas, Join me in giving to the Alliance Christmas offering, where, as the body of Christ, we have the opportunity, the blessing, to extend 
候。So that's the theme this year for the Christian Missionary Alliance family to extend hope. There's a QR code you've got to insert in your flyer. I just want you to prayerfully consider over the next month. It's hard to believe Christmas, well, Boxing Day is a month from today, um, the day after Christmas. So over this next month, I want to just challenge you, how can you be grateful and how can you be generous? It doesn't have to be through the Alliance Great Commission Fund. It doesn't have to be through First Alliance Church. But those are two really good options for you to consider. Uh, I've been asked to mention our, our staff love offering. Uh, I think a lot of you know about that, and our staff is grateful for your, your support. Um, but, but really, prayerfully consider how you can be generous. I don't think you can outgive God. Test Him. See what He might actually do. Stretch a little bit. I, I believe we're all blessed, and we're blessed to be a blessing. Generosity and gratitude. Some of you may know Seth Godin. He's, for a while at least, he was the number one blogger in the world. I don't know what his current numbers are, but uh, he's sensationally popular. And he posted this blog the other day. I read this after I wrote my sermon, and I thought, once again, conventional wisdom proves, supports scripture over and over again. He says this, it's called generosity and gratitude. A gift doesn't diminish the giver. Sharing creates connection, possibility, and energy. And the magic of gratitude is that it improves everything it touches, especially the person who offered it in the first place. So what holds us back? Fear. Fear of connection, of change, of seeing what is possible. It might feel safer to focus on scarcity. Generosity and gratitude often go together. They light a path on the way to better. Family, this season, I want to challenge you to be filled with generosity and filled with gratitude. Will you please stand for closing prayer? Jesus, I think about your response to generosity and gratitude. You gave everything, your very life for us. How could we begin to repay you? I feel like one of those ways may be to express our love to you through our generosity. Maybe financial generosity, maybe loving a stranger, offering a smile, listening to someone's story. We've been blessed to be a blessing. And I don't know what the application is for every person here and online. But Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would speak to us, challenge us, challenge me. What does it look like to be generous as we begin the celebration of your birthday, Jesus, this season? What will we get you for your birthday? May our hearts be filled with gratitude and generosity for your glory. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, family. Shalom.